On this episode of the Three Beers, Two Guys, One Movie Podcast, Preston, Rod, and Matthew give their marquee picks for their favorite drug dealers in film and television history. Then they discuss the feature film Operation Odessa, and then wrap things up with a little Wheel of Fortune. So, let's go! podcast the always fun the always exciting the always a little bit buzzed movie review show i'm matthew scott joined by my good friends mr rod budman and also mr preston barnes on the show today how we doing guys ready to podcast more than ready man more than ready <laughs> yeah, just, preston just got done doing a little quick workout for his podcast getting those lips moving those tongue going i mean you were really really exercising hard most sweating sweating up yeah. a storm I basically, I do a lot of unique New York, and I'm not brown cow. Exactly. I'm ready to go. Classic Ron Burgundy lift exercises. Um, but Rod doesn't need any exercise. He's just a natural on the podcast mic, just ready to go whenever. Limber and useful, as you always. All right, so before we get into our marquee picks today, we're doing uh, Operation Odessa, which is a, uh, a documentary on Netflix. Uh, we're going to do our marquee picks, but before we get going, we're just going to ask a brief little favor from all our loyal, loyal listeners. Um, if you can, if you like the show, please go and review and rate the show on iTunes, please. That helps us so much. And if you do rate and review it, write whatever you want. If you give us five stars and write whatever you want, we'll read it on the next episode. So maybe a little shout out to whoever wants to be on the show. Say whatever you want. Be filthy. Be naughty. Be explicit. Just say whatever. Give us five stars, please. Thank you. All right. So. That out of the way, we're going to get to our marquee picks this week since we're doing Operation Odessa, which is about uh, three guys that kind of work with the Colombian cartel so to uh, sell drugs, but they're buying equipment to sell drugs. So we're going to do our favorite drug dealers in movies or television. It's the marquee picks. So who wants to go first? Rod, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll lead us off here, Matthew. Um, <laughs> lead us off, Rod. Looking forward to this. The Ricky Henderson of Marquee Picks, Mr. Rod Budman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So my number one pick is going to be um, Frank Luke. Frank number three pick is going to be Frank Lucas from American Gangster. I had that exact pick, but good for you. Good Quality, <laughs> both of you. Sorry, yeah. Matthew. <laughs> Let's hear it, Rod. You got a little brief synopsis. I mean, we're gonna be brief, Rod. Uh, Rod. Um, I, I guess probably the scene that I think really sums it up is when they're all eating at the like dinner family style dinner table, and they, he sees a guy that owes him money walking down the street, 
and uh, he goes up and I think he shoots him in the head and then he leaves like a dollar in his hat and he's like 10%. Yeah, and then he goes back. That's actually Idris Elba, the guy who does that too. He's now this huge superstar. Oh, that's wow. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, basically, though, he just set the tone. He let all his little brothers know that he's the alpha dog in charge of that family. And he comes back and just sits at the table. He's like, all right, what's next? Who wants who wants some coffee? Yeah. <laughs> basically, it's, just acts like yeah. it didn't exist. It's definitely like one of those scenes, like biggest scenes from the movie. I just remember like my mouth dropping, being like, oh, my gosh. Like, did he really do that in real life? <laughs> I don't think he did. I think I read about it. I think that was probably something Denzel Washington wanted to do to make himself look even more badass on camera. Yeah. Uh, they're like, you can't say my man after you shoot. You gave that Denzel Washington smile like my man, and he shot him right in the face. Yeah. All, I right. Get All right, Preston, do you want to uh, shoot us off with number your number three pick? All right, guess what? Didn't have in a number as per usual, but my number three pick uh, is going to be. Uh, I'm going to go back to Pineapple Express and do Saul Silver. <laughs> I really uh, <laughs> like that movie quite a bit, but I also love the notion of a cross joint, <laughs> which for if anyone has tried that and uh, smoked it, it is it's quite the joint. Um, is it logistically possible? Can you do it? I've never tried, obviously. I mean, it's not like the way that they create it in the film, I, I don't think, but I, you know, like some of these, I've been told some of these dispensaries in these legal states have tried to do it before. Um, I, don't know, <laughs> I, I don't know how well that how well it holds up. I mean, it's got to be pretty heavy, and those filters probably break down somehow. But yeah, I, mean, I don't know. But also, just the character in general is a, it's a funny character. He's like a you know very lovable, kind drug dealer. It's not he's not mean. He's not shooting, <laughs> shooting anyone. And uh, he's pretty much always stoned. I think his like main reason for what he does is to help pay for his bubby, which is like his grandmother. Yeah. All right, to take care of her at the nursing home. Um, it's a funny character. Yeah, he's just one of those drug dealers that doesn't have like ambition of taking over the world. He just wants to make a little bit of money and smoke some pot and hang out with his friends, kind of person. Yeah, <laughs> and he, and he's also the lingering type, which is. So hilarious at the beginning of the film. <laughs> and it's so accurate, obviously, because those people clearly knew and have de dealt with plenty of dealers in their time when you, someone comes over to your house and just you're just like, all right, just give me the stuff. And they just kind of wander around your apartment looking yeah. at things and kind of hanging out. Yeah. It's like, you can go ahead and say, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't have any other customers? They're like, no, no, just, just you tonight. <laughs> uh, just hanging out with my friends tonight. <laughs> They're like, I'm just going to turn off the phone and stay here, guys. You're my special guys. And you're like, no. Yeah. no Instead of my operations here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I'll go on to we'll go to my number three. Uh, Y'all actually took didn't take two people, but I had, I had Saul on reserve. So I'm going to pick another reserve. But my number three, I'm going with uh, Drexel Spivey. From True Romance, Mr. Gary Oldman. Um, technically, he is in that movie. He is a pimp, but he also is a drug dealer in that movie too. But he is a pimp. He's that's kind of what it is. But he does sell coke. And I think he sells heroin too. But uh, anyways, just an incredible, incredible like five minutes of that character. He looks straight out of the fish lot, and also doesn't talk very great English too. Like just has all these dreads and like crazy teeth and weird puppy clothing. Um, thinks that some kids dress up just to go see fish, but he wears it full time. 
Um, <laughs> he's got some, <laughs> some amazing lines. I can't quote him offhand. I can't really remember, but he just sort of captivates the whole scene. And just in that just five minutes you're with him, you just know this guy is kind of crazy and up no good and just a crazy performance by Mr. Gary Ullman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> have you seen that one, Rod? Have you seen True Romance? I've not seen that one. Is it good? Oh, I mean, it's uh, it's uh, one of Tarantino's first films, but he didn't direct it. He wrote it. Hey, he just wrote it, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he, he wrote that movie with Reservoir Dogs at the same time, and he sold them both to whoever, but they would only let him direct one, so he picked Reservoir Dogs, and Tony Scott, Ridley Scott's brother, directed True Romance. Um, but it is Tarantino. I know that. It's Tar- and he also directed Top Gun. Um, all right, so... <laughs> Not the new one, but uh, all right. So I'm going to flash back over to my number two pick now. I've got to rearrange some things and I'm just going to pick an obvious one that everyone knows. Maybe y'all have it on there, but I'm going with Walter White from Breaking Bad. I guess in some ways, in some ways, he might not even be a drug dealer. He's obviously more of a manufacturer, but he clearly he is part of he isn't the drug empire business, as he likes to say. So I think he still counts on the list. He's a he could be like a drug lord. (laughs) <laughs> what, what is, why not include um i mean if you want to include more of a dealer type why not say walter white and jesse binkman i just i, I don't know because i really don't even like the character of jesse that much i don't know if that's i just i did, his character just gets really annoying to me because he spends so much time in rehab and then like he always cries about his girlfriends and stuff i always found myself sort of like Fast forwarding through some of those scenes. Well, <laughs> apologies to all you Jesse heads out there. <laughs> maybe oh, they yeah. just hit like pink, little pink maniacs. Maybe they just hit like a little too close to home, like being depressed about girls and doing drugs and stuff like that. I was like, I'd like to witness the people that I know I will never become, which is Walter White. <laughs> well, there might be a chemistry opening somewhere in uh, Montgomery. You should try that out. Of course. Uh, all right. So we're going back to Preston now. Preston, uh, you're number two. Well, um, definitely had that kind of on my list, maybe on my list. So I'm going to go ahead and go to Thurgood Jenkins from (laughs) Half-Baked because that's just an iconic film. Dave Chappelle, really everyone, who that whole little crew in there, they're just so funny. You've got uh, Jim Brewer, Harlan Williams. Um, But... I mean, I think we've all seen it, right? Have Absolutely. I? I think I saw the list, Preston, that you used to jog your memory for this. <laughs> you saw the list? Where? I think I saw a list that um, just, it had Thurgood listed. And to be frankly honest, I only remember Samson. I only remember Thurgood. Then I had a look, I looked it up and Thur- <laughs> Thurgood is Dave Chappelle's character, isn't it? Right. I mean, Samson, obviously, you think about the, I want to talk to Samson. Like, I mean, that. What is it? I, I want to talk to Samson. Fly me to, to the moon. moon. And... <laughs> so, I mean, but like, I just figured I'd go with the uh, more of the main character there, and, and I mean, he's you know he's like a janitor and selling weed, so I think he accounts as a dealer. Yeah, got to make a little money. Absolutely. On uh, always having a side hustle. Speaking of Harlan Williams, though, uh, I was hanging out with my nieces and nephews this uh holiday weekend or whatever and harlan williams uh he created and wrote and stars in a little kid show on disney jr i mean it's such a weird thing he went from like being sort of like a weird kind of i won't say adult comic but he like was in like what uh something about, something about, uh, something about mary right and he's also in half baked and now he's like 
voiceover for this little like kid show called like it's not Paw Patrol, it's something else, whatever. Doesn't matter, just random fact that I thought was really, really weird. When I saw his name pop up in the credits, I'd like look up to see if it was actually him. He was uh he was also in that movie. I actually I watched it recently, Superstar. Remember with uh Molly Shannon and Will Ferrell. It was basically an SNL skit and yeah. they made it into a movie and he played like the cool guy who rides around <laughs> on a motorcycle. I just always remember him for Rocket Man, like farting in the suit and like going oh like, he, like misses like going into that like space quarantine for like eight months and he has to survive on his own for like eight months in this rocket ship. I remember <laughs> uh, loving that movie. Dude, it was super funny as a kid. It's awesome. Uh all right, Rod, you want to go to your number two before we get carried away here? Uh, my number two was Samson, so I'm gonna change it to um, George Young and Derek Farrell in Blow. You could have caught, uh, kept Samson. Te- technically, a different person, but okay, I'll go with Samson. George, I mean, okay. George Young. You don't have to let there. Preston influence you, Rod. <laughs> All right, we'll go with Samson. He can save George Young for number one. So don't. Don't do uh, George. No, I've got a different one for number one. Okay, so we're, we're taking out George Young completely. We're going no, with Samson. Yeah. Okay. George just... Young is a is a free man, right? <laughs> yeah. Three years ago, then he get out of jail. Oh, really? I think he's out. Yeah, I think they let him out on compassionate release. They're like, you got to see this uh, movie they did about you. He had to been like super pumped to be like, yeah, they've got Johnny Depp playing you. And at the end of the movie, he looks like such the ugliest motherfucker I've ever seen. I was like, how yeah. they could? I mean, they and, uh, is it Catherine Zeta? Who's the woman? Penelope uh, Cruz. Penelope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I didn't even try. Oh, well. <laughs> Penelope Zeta Cruz, guys. <laughs> I think she does have another first name that they don't use, but. Yeah, it's like uh, Salma Hayek. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so, so Matthew, what is your? Uh, All right. So we go back to no. We go back to me. Preston is it? Uh, oh, it's me. Uh, oh yeah, no, it's Rod. It's Rod. Rod goes right, back to one. He, he wraps it up. Okay. Finishes it out. So my number Robert. one is going to be Mr. Nelson Tony Yester from tonight's screening. Oh, fun. Good. Yeah. <gasps> Figured I'd throw that in there. Yeah. Uh, that dude. Do you want to give too much away with this pick before we uh, actually get into the gist of that movie, or do you just want to leave people lingering for a little bit more? Just give a little little thing talking about Tony, what you like about him. Okay, when they basically, um, I think he's got a lot of lines that are worth just they're just they're keepsakes. He's got a lot of good wisdom, but <laughs> but, but, but one of his uh, one one line is when. Um, they're asking him if he's worried, like if people stop looking for $10 million. <laughs> and he goes, all my friends, the man, they're dead. I see, see them in hell. And then it's just. Yeah, we'll, get, we'll definitely discuss okay, it more yeah. as we get to the movie or whatever. All right. But that was a great pick. He is such an interesting yeah. character. And he's always. Yeah. yeah. Got, I've got some things to say about how he speaks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Preston, you go with your number one, then I'll finish it up. Cool. Uh, all right. My number one, I guess I just did all comedies pretty much, but uh, Funny guy. Our, our Jay and Silent Bob, <sighs> all the great Jay and Silent Bob films, Clerks, Mallrats, Clerks 2, Chasing Amy, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Well, also, there's just a couple of a couple of really just 
lovable, hilarious drug dealers. Was there just a new movie that came out? Or did I mean I know it de- they definitely filmed one. That, um, did it come out before all this stuff happened, or did it get postponed? Or um, <laughs> they are that they've been talking about like another Clerks, and then like a yeah like a reboot. Um, I'm just looking at this. I don't know. Uh, but... Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. I mean, yeah, maybe maybe they were planning on doing it and. COVID fucked it up, but um, I have to say, like, I, I really have never. I've, I, I, I'm embarrassed to say I've really never even seen any of those movies. I think I've seen uh, Mallrats. I don't think I've seen Clerks or Jay and Silent Bob. I remember people were talking about it when we went to Washington D.C. Like it's all anyone could talk about. Remember, Preston in eighth grade, we went to Washington D.C. and it was yeah. all it was all our bus could talk about. And I felt so left out because I'd not seen it, and I just still. So yeah, thanks for bringing up a really bad memory of me. Yeah, I remember. Uh, <laughs> Everyone knew that about you. <laughs> really pushing it in your face. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, no, definitely go watch them. I mean, so I would start with Clerks. Um, if you're okay with black and white, the entire film is in black and white. Um, yeah, Mallrats, obviously classic. And then Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, that's, I mean, it is hilarious. That's so crazy it was that long ago. I distinctly remember that. And also people were talking about Tenacious D and I remember being like, I don't have HBO, so stop. Let's talk about something I know about. Like The Pick of Destiny? Yeah. No, that, that? It, yeah, of course. That wasn't it that it wasn't that. That came out I think when we were in college. They were talking about, about the songs. The, yeah, the, the C D came out at that time too. Yeah. But that was that was based on the HBO TV show. Like all those songs were featured on that, right? Or uh, I, don't, I would assume most of them, yeah. I don't know. I'm just dredging up really, really sadness. Uh, <laughs> anyways, all right. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go with Getting number. A little dark over there, Matthew. Yeah, I know. I'll go with number yeah. one, uh, and uh, <laughs> my number one pick. Someone we did just talk about with uh, number three, with uh, Rod's number three, with uh, Frank Lucas. That's why I remember this is uh, Idris Elba, Stringer Bell from The Wire. I don't, oh. know, I don't know. Basically, I could just list the whole cast, oh. honestly, to be one through three. But I thought Stringer was my favorite, so I went. I went with Stringer Bell, just a total badass. And obviously, it's sort of just like this guy that's sort of <clears throat> sort of in this paradox where he's born into a situation, desperately trying to get out of it. But sort of the parameters around him keep on constricting him back to where he sort of can't get out of where he wants to be. So sort of a sad, he, even though he is like a murderous lunatic, it's sort of like a sad situation, too. So uh, I don't know. He's just a great character, great actor. Awesome, awesome lines, too. But a lot of lines you can't say. Uh, on a podcast because you get in trouble. So, <laughs> Matthew, that's that's the best marquee pick we've had to date. <laughs> to have date, you, that was a phenomenal. Have you picked? Have you watched all the Wire, Rod? I have. That's one of the few shows I've watched see, yeah. every season. And Stringer Bell is awesome. Great, great pick. <laughs> that made my night. You would have never known that he was British. Like uh, I guess we can, we can just finish it up here. <laughs> he's, he's British. Yeah, Idris. Yeah. You didn't know that? No. Did you know that uh, the uh, like who else? What's the guy's name? Uh, oh well, we don't really need to get into it. But uh, the the white guy detective who's sort of uh, he's British too. Dominic, what's his name? McNulty. Yeah, Nolte's British too, and that's what's funny. But like, he has to do that British accent when he's in like trying. They're trying to take down that brothel. Oh, what did you say, McNulty? No, McNulty. That's the character's name in the wire, but it's, it's oh, his name. Uh, 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 
what's his, his, the actor's name is like Dominic something, whatever. But anyways, like the joke is, is that they make the character do a British act, like a terrible British accent. So he's a British actor playing a Baltimore police officer doing a shitty British accent to bust a brothel. And so they were all like apparently behind the scenes kind of laughing about it. Sounds kind of funny, but it's really not worth talking about. Okay. All right. So <clears throat> we're going to finish up. We just finished the marquee picks. I thought that was a really, really great segment there, guys. Well done. We're going to move into uh, Operation Odessa. This was a Rod Buckman pick, and he says he could quote the whole movie. So we're going to let him kick it off just a little bit. Uh, let's, let's try to do start it off kind of from the beginning to some points we'd like to see. Uh, do you want to give a little brief summary of it, Rod, or do you want you want me to do that? Do you want I, can, me to... I can try. Okay, go for it. And then and then give us one, one of your favorite talking points about it. Okay, so I guess it starts off late 80s, Miami, maybe mid-80s, Miami. We are introduced to, the, I guess, the main character. There's really three, but the main character is Tarzan, who's a Russian immigrant, who uh, I think he gets started by doing arson, kind of like for the mob. And he talks about how it's just really easy because basically the fire department ruins all the furniture, when they put out stuff and they commit insurance fraud. Well, he ends up making enough money from that and ends up buying a strip club called Babushka's. No, Porky's is a strip club. He Once Porky's becomes successful, he opens, he opens Babushka's, which is a restaurant. Yeah. Okay. His favorite one, is... I was just say one tidbit is he started in New York working. He was an enforcer for the Gambino family. So yeah. he started off like doing some mafia stuff, and then he went to Miami. When but that's was, what he's, yeah, but that's what he said. He was doing arson for the Gambino family. That was his way of enforcing. Like, so if you didn't pay, he was like the flamer who would come and burn your shit up. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Classic Gambino. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, Porky's is, is his favorite movie, and I guess he realizes his dream, or he thinks he's realized his dream when, you know, he opens Porky's, and there's all these really funny pictures of him yeah. and strippers, and I guess to get to it, uh, he ends up meeting another guy who is involved with the Cali cartel, and they start working together, and then um, that's when we get introduced to my number one marquee pick, who is the uh, third label, third t- leg of the table, <laughs> if you will. And that's Mr. Tony Yester, who is a Cuban spy. I think they think he was a spy. And he they, got- they called him a Cuban international smuggler. I think. Okay. They gave, they gave him all kinds of adjectives. Yeah, so I mean, the, his main like charge, so he's like on the run this entire movie. So like, you never hear of him being in the U.S. basically because he's always making, he's on the run, international fugitive because he got caught with 41 passports. <laughs> um, which, which is, is just insane. Yeah, it's quite, quite a number. So um, it, basically we go through the story of uh, how they end up working together to help supply the Cali cartel with mostly, I guess, transportation stuff. Yeah, Yeah, vehicles um, to transport cocaine. Yeah, motorcycles. It just keeps escalating, right? Helicopters, all kinds of shit. That's that's another one of my favorite lines is when he's talking about how he's as far away 
Tony Esther was talking about his, he was as far away from the helicopters landing in Cali as he could be because he's <laughs> like, man, those helos, they was hot, man. No fucking, <laughs> no fucking way. I was in a chateau in Switzerland. <laughs> yeah. Right, should we just go ahead and talk about his voice real quick? Uh, well, let's, let's just, uh, so let's just clarify this. Just one like quick thing. So Tarzan is like what Rod said was this main character who's a um, Russian immigrant, right? So this takes place during the fall of the Soviet Union, where obviously the government used to own everything. And then when the Soviet Union falls, uh, there's a lot of ambiguity of who owns things. So that's why all these vehicles are being able to be purchased easily or whatever. So he's got the connection, yeah. or at least he knows the language and knows some shady people in Russia. So that's how he's involved. And Juan is the guy he was talking about that has connections with the Cali cartel. His right. connections, though, are because he operates like an exotic car dealership and boat dealership, like rental business, owning business or whatever. So they always were coming to him for fast boats and stuff like that. And it started escalating. Well, if you can get us boats, can you get us helicopters? Can you get us this, blah, blah, blah. And he knew Tarzan. So he would go get Tarzan and they would go to the Soviet Union and buy these things. So that's how their partnership kind of came along. And then they added Tony because he was sort of higher up or like had bigger connections. Who were, He said he worked directly with Pablo Escobar or at least knew him directly, so to speak. So that's yeah. how that's how the three legs sort of worked or whatever. They all have different features that are funny. I'd say Amazon and Tony are the funniest ones. Juan's sort of secretive and under the radar a bit, but he's still got his own little... Uh, <laughs> yeah, Juan seems to be scenes. the most uh, normal of the three, I guess. But yeah. by the way, you just called Tarzan. I think you called Amazon. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh, Amazon. <laughs> which, was, which was quite the, quite the slip. Yeah, well, uh, sh I, I shout think, out to uh, shout out to our boy Bezos there. Yeah, I was really rolling, so thanks for interrupting. It, it should have been like one of those Animal House things, like he's like, did the Germans didn't bomb Pearl Harbor kind of thing? Just shut up about it and let me keep going. <laughs> All right. I did want to start just a little bit to talk about, like we were talking about uh, Tarzan, whatever, and how he, he owned the strip club, Porky's. And there is that montage of like what Rod was saying, where all these pictures with him like posing with different like nude strippers or whatever. And I guess it reveals just a little bit about his character that I, cause he kind of is, I don't know if he's like an ultimate salesman, but it just reminded me of sort of like some dude in a used car commercial that's like, you know, if, if you want a truck, if you want a Honda, if you want a sedan, if you want a four door, blah, 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 yeah. we got him here. And it kind of reminded me like, it's like, you want a brunette? You want a blonde? You want big tits? You want big ass? You want black? You want, you know, like, he's like, we got him here. I could just see him wanting to do some like cheesy used car type, like TV uh, commercial, whatever, with like them going through all the different available strippers and him like grabbing them and showing them off and stuff like that. It was yeah. just, or if he was just some dude who kind of was taking advantage of his position and wanted to like barking orders, like, come on, take a picture of me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I mean, he, he definitely was kind of the most charismatic of the group. At least I thought so. Like the most fun to hang For around. Sure. For sure. I mean, he, I think he had a blast. <laughs> doc, documentary. He was basically just sitting there, just smoking and like laughing and talking about everything. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> I was just thinking about those types of people. You're, you're just uh, imitating their Matthew and you just throw a Russian accent on it. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah. Takes it to a whole nother level, but yeah, I could totally see him wanting to do that. And the pictures, if anybody uh, doesn't want to watch, like watch this film, I would at least suggest, within reason, going to look up these pictures because they are absolute. They're like yearbook pictures from the eighties, but obviously <laughs> the women are topless, and he's just like 
he's always next to them or like holding their boobs in like a little like a really weird way like it's just yeah. so it's so bizarre and you can't you can't help but laugh but also and there's so there's so many of them it's not just one it's like it's like <laughs> some like street side grocer showing off his produce he's like here and here <laughs> like it's like he's like little big titties uh, like it's just it all yeah it almost looks like some weird like parody of like prom photos but like with topless prom photos almost like he's almost yeah. like i don't know it's just it's such a weird thing and it like happens right in the beginning of the the document at least right when you get introduced to him kind of thing it's like this montage of like weird pics of right when he opens porkies or whatever which has almost nothing to do with the story i think they just wanted to throw it in there that it, like he owned a successful strip club yeah because what yeah it's right. like what Rod was talking about. All the action happens in Babushka or whatever in terms of how, like, everything gets caught. Uh, is it Babushka or Babagabushka? What, what? Babushka. 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 I think it means <laughs> grandmother in uh, Russian. <laughs> really? Yeah, or it's like, yeah. a, isn't it like a trinket or something? <laughs> I'm looking it up now. I think that's a nesting doll. <laughs> All a babushka right. doll, that is a thing. Okay, so we talked a little bit about Tarzan. Do we want to get into the, the plot a little bit more? Uh, Preston, do you have something you wanted to bring up, something specific you wanted to add? About Tarzan in particular? Or just, just, just moving on. We kind of went, went off on his character a little bit. We can get uh, back when he sort of moved to the plot a little bit. I, I just want to bring up this one part that I wish they had kind of talked a little bit more about. But this is, you know, this is basically takes place, a lot of this in the early 90s. And I think it's hilarious that Tarzan and Juan Almeida were introduced to each other by Vanilla Ice. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean just, just when the, the story could get any more ridiculous, you insert vanilla ice, but they don't talk about it that much. It's just like it was a thing. You know, it's like early nineties, uh huge star, Miami. And that and that's what's so funny, is like Tarzan, I feel like even to this day when he's talking about like he considers himself certainly a part of like that scene in the early 90s like Miami like like I think he sees like I was I was a celebrity and and he kind of still assumes some of it today by the way he like dresses and still looks but I don't know I just thought I just thought it was the ultimate absurd absurdity i know you're totally right that it got completely glossed over in terms of oh like it was worth mentioning but like it has no relevance but it was just like they didn't want to talk about it like no they didn't think it was a big deal it really wasn't a big deal in in retrospect he's not like a big star anymore but it's just like (laughs) was vanilla ice at porky's or was he at babushka how i forgot how it went down i think he was on like one of juan's boats or something like it was Uh, right Right. Yeah, like yeah. He talks about like you're saying. He's so excited. He's like, I mean, Vanilla Ice. <laughs> yeah. He's he acts like it's Michael Jackson that interviews <laughs> him. Yeah. And it's right after they've you know as a big score reviewer, Preston or soundtrack. It comes right after they play. Uh, what is it? Winds of Change. Score. Yeah, that that plays kind of at the beginning. Wind of Change. That. Yeah, it is around. It that's in the that's that, i right? just i just uh screened the film you know i like to screen it uh the vanilla ice scene is at minute like 14 and a half yeah it comes out pretty soon and then it's gone <laughs> it would be yeah be amazing. I mean, a lot of a lot of big like pop cultural references porkies and then you got vanilla ice and it's just funny to like see all this revolve around uh, basically a russian immigrant who's 
just inserts himself into a very absurd, you know, set of circumstances. And that is just, it's the whole thing is, it is crazy. Yeah. All right. So these, these two guys, so uh, like we just talked about Tarzan and then Juan Almeida or whatever, kind of are together uh, purchasing all these like vehicles and stuff and then selling them to people in Miami, but also selling them to the, uh, the Cali cartel in Colombia or whatever. And obviously that's how some of the stuff gets rolling. Um, what was I going to get at though, in terms of how this sort of escalates? So uh, do you want to get talk about Rob? Do you like, so their first score is they, they talk, they, uh, they go to Russia and buy what, like 250 motorcycles or something like that. And that's how they first kind of get started. And then they sell them all to the, to Colombians and they make like $3 million. And that's how this kind of starts getting rolling or yeah. that right. And then they go back and get the helicopters. And that's yeah. when Tony gets introduced because Tony's a part of the helicopter deal, right? He, yes. he gets them, he gets them like 10 helicopters. In addition, they also get like, yeah, hundreds of motorcycles and, and everything is dirt cheap. And so this is that, this is the biggest, uh, I think escalation point kind of for me, at least in the movie is when they when they uh, go to lead, like I think he paid two hundred fifty thousand dollars to charter that giant Russian airplane to carry back the helicopters. I mean, whatever it was, it wasn't like crazy. He said he yeah. could never do it for that price today or something like that. It was a, it was a low number. It might sound like a big number to us, but it's a low number relative to what it would cost today. Is what he was saying. Yeah, but but when they right. went to leave, like the Russian mob came to the airport and stopped them. Yeah, and and that's when Tarzan, <laughs> quickly thinking on his Jungle Boy feet, was like, <laughs> uh, "I can get you cocaine." Like, and they're like, "All right," and he's like, "You know Pablo Escobar." So then that's when they come up with the idea that they've got to introduce Juan Almedia as Pablo Escobar. Do you all think he could pass as Pablo? <laughs> I was, was going to ask this to, question. To a Russian. I think he this is before well, the internet age. This is before the internet age where you could just like Wikipedia somebody. So that's I, true. That's true. And, uh, so how many photos realistically could you find? Like, how, Was he making like top story news in the fall of the Soviet Union? Probably not. I'm guessing like it, no. I'm, I'm guessing I guess too if, many. I, I guess mean, if Juan had like a mustache and that's what I was like. Saying. Maybe I mean he, he was already. They probably were similar in size. Yeah, and I mean it was 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> you know we're we're seeing him. Yeah, I mean it's like 25 yeah. 30 years ago. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, if that, if he... that was a very bold move. Just wanted to say that. I mean, like, even if Tony did know Pablo Escobar, like, I wouldn't be. If I was Juan, I'd probably be like, I don't know, I don't think I want to impersonate this person. But I guess, yeah, then you could get away with it. It's not like somebody's going to tweet about it. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so he sort of thinks on his feet too. Like, so I was going to ask you about this too. Like, did, did that deal actually happen? So in. in it, Tony sort of once he goes to Russia and impersonates Pablo Escobar to help Tarzan get out of this sort of rough situation, he says something like, can you guys provide us with a safe house and we'll just keep feeding you as much cocaine as you want? Like whatever you need, we'll get to you. Let's not buy like in bulk. Remember, because he knew he couldn't produce like a ton of coke, but he knew like if he could, he could like give them as much as they needed. Remember, like he was like, I can't give you like, like he. So, do you think that deal happened, or do you think that, I, like? The I don't think I'm. I think they set up that deal. It, also, it was Juan who impersonated. Right. Yeah. Not. Oh, yeah. Tony I was. Not, I didn't mean to say Tony, Tony was not involved. I don't think Tony yeah. would have gotten involved with this. Tony's yeah. too smart. 
Smart guy. Um, man, I'm not doing that. Man, them helos were so hot. I was in a chateau in Switzerland. Uh, Matthew, to answer your question, I think they just said that they were going to do that. And then they let them go on the tarmac. And then they just. Yeah. Just never, never talk about because it we, Yeah, we never hear yeah. about it, really. Like, that's. After that, they just go on to like, yeah, like they made millions selling them, selling the motorcycles in Colombia. And Tarzan's like, I got a cut, and that pretty much <laughs> happens after that. <laughs> yeah, and he said he was like famous after that, as if like that deal like resonated in all of Miami, which maybe it did because well, like that was like that, a huge, obviously like cocaine town, like the biggest one. So like everyone knew about it, and he was talking about how famous he was after that. Yeah, yeah. start to live a very like opulent lifestyle and like, he, he showing off the, everything. Yeah, Juan says it wasn't only like the talk talk of the town, but it was like the talk of Colombia that those that they were able to bring it in. And then Tarzan's like, I went in a Ferrari, I bought the Ferrari. I wanted the Mercedes, <laughs> I got the Mercedes. I got the limousine to take my daughter to school. There was now, like, is that when he is that when he opens up Babushka? After the deal is made and they make that money. Yeah. Uh, is it? Because he was losing money on the restaurant. And that's sort of how he gets his finger caught in the cookie jar in terms of uh, how some they get brought down. So did, did he open that before that or after but, this? I think you're right. I think it was before he uh, before he had opened it and borrowed the 80000 from um, uh, Grisha, my, that, that Grisha Royza. Yeah, the cannibal is what they call yeah. him. Yeah. Gregory. So, so there's not much uh, in terms of to talk about in terms of the FBI thing. I feel like it was almost kind of like a, a minor B plot to this whole thing. The most of the movie is kind of just how like wild the whole story is in terms of them escalating up to buying what we'll talk about eventually is the, the uh, submarine or whatever. But just to talk about how they got caught is uh, this, this one guy was like, not a family friend, but like he was known like in Russia as being sort of a, like a, a heavy hitter in terms of the, the drug scene or what do you want to talk about? He sold, he sold firearms and heroin. Right. And he got caught. He's like, a, they call him a Russian gangster basically. Yeah. Okay. And anyways, he got caught. He got sentenced to this like really, really terrible prison or whatever. FBI cut him a deal and they said, Hey, if, uh, if you want out, you got to help us bring down this one person. So he basically was an FBI informant to go in and, uh, work. He worked as a general manager for Babushka, which was, Obviously, what we talk about, Tarzan's failing opulent restaurant or whatever. But in order to get that job, the FBI gave this guy seventy or eighty thousand dollars as sort of like an upfront payment to help because Tarzan's uh, restaurant was failing, like he was short on cash. And so this guy comes with seventy thousand dollars. I need a job. We're family friends. You can trust me, kind of thing. And that's how this guy starts getting all this information on how to bring down Tarzan because Tarzan was bringing in all these sort of Russian mobsters, right? He was also bringing in some Colombian mobsters. I don't know. Either way, there was a lot of shady characters hanging out at this restaurant, and this guy was sort of taking pictures and taking notes, and that's how they sort of started compiling a bunch of information on Tarzan yeah. and on Eladio or whatever his name was. Tarzan was uh, he was a lot of things, but like stealth and uh, <laughs> stealth and like just a smart operator in a criminal world no he was not that type of person i think he was it, smart he was too trusting because it, he yeah. trusted that guy and then he wound up trusting some dude that wound up being an undercover agent that he was like oh it's from my hometown like i trust you you trust me kind of thing yeah and like he sort of 
he didn't even seem like that pissed off about it. Like when he brought it up, right? He was just like, "Yeah, that's how it rolls. Whatever." I, yeah. I trusted him. Fucked up. That that was the scene I was gonna bring up next, but I didn't want to jump into it. But um, the scene when they're like, it's uh, I think the agent's name is Alex Yosevich, and they're in the hotel room. Yeah, I wanted to talk about this too. And they're like, "No, no, like you take that seat." And Carson's <laughs> even like. Man, you don't like this side of me. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. And I think, I, like, I'm pretty sure he calls out that there's a video recording yeah. him. Yeah, and he's, he's he and recognized special, like the the chair or something like the type of chair he, where you can put a camera or something. He, he was like, yeah, there was a spa store in Miami. I just seen this model, and yeah. uh, <laughs> like they have you know the surveillance footage in the documentary, and it's like, wow, like. He literally, like, point blank asked the <laughs> agent, like, is this a recording device? And he's like, nope, nope. And Tarzan's like, okay. And then just keep keep. Well, talking. that's what I was going to talk to you about. It's like he point blank knew that he was under, like, surveillance. Yeah. And, like, he didn't stop. That's what I was going to ask you about. It's like, why did he keep going? Was he just so addicted to it? Or did he think he could just get away with it? Because he knew he was being recorded. Like, that was a point they wanted to make. Like, he knew someone was watching him. And then he just kept on making these deals and kept on operating business as usual. He didn't seem to be any, any more cautious or like go underground kind of thing. Like st- I, the heat's on me. I got to get out of the streets. Like I got to stop for six months kind of thing. It was just like, no, whatever. Like they're watching me. Let's just keep going. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I think you, I mean, he really enjoyed this life. <laughs> like, and it seems, it almost seems when he's talking about it, like he, maybe he knew like he was going to go down and, but he had such a good time doing it. And I mean, Honestly, like he just seems like he's been playing out his dreams throughout the '80s and '90s to come to America, and and then, <laughs> it's just it's wild. It's wild to see him talk about it present time because he doesn't seem he has has no regrets. He seems to be very like pleased with how everything went. <laughs> no, yeah, he didn't go to jail. He just got uh, you know, he just had to go to live in Israel. Oh yeah, uh, that's right. He like so he's. I mean, I don't even know if like if he got to keep the money or not. I think he just had to like go back to almost like his home. Well, he's from Russia, or whatever, but he's a Orthodox. Yeah. I don't know like what his connection to Israel necessarily is, but yeah, he didn't like have to spend any time in prison. Nobody did. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. That's right. All right. So, uh, do y'all want to move on? Talk a little bit about. Uh, Obviously, it's where the main gist of the whole movie in terms of uh, them trying to buy the submarine. And that's kind of where Tony gets more involved. And that's sort of like Rod's favorite character, whatever. So what happens is, right, they uh, they were successful in securing or procuring all these helicopters for the uh, cartel to buy or whatever. And they were so impressed with it. They said, what else can you get us? And they went... They said uh, <laughs> a giant Russian submarine. So they go over to Russia to try to see if they can execute this deal. And they say, like we like mentioned before, everything's for sale now after the fall of the Soviet Union. And so that's, a, what, $30 million is the price for this Russian submarine, right? So so we do have to mention that the cartel doesn't go directly to Tarzan and Juan. Yeah. They go through Tony. Yeah. And Tony quotes them $50 million just okay. to go high. And then, uh, you know, he goes to... Juan and uh, Tarzan, and like thirty plus five for y'all. Yeah, and I think they end up paying thirty though. Do I, we'll we'll get into that in terms of how the payment happened because that's part of the craziness of the story is like the payment really never goes into place or whatever. But uh, <laughs> so they go, so they send Tarzan over. Juan isn't actually like he's sort of a distant 
part of this deal, right? He was, he, remember, he said, he's like, I was doing my own thing. I was closing some $47 million deal. Like, he makes sure to, like, name the figures of how badass his deal was or whatever, because he wasn't really a part of it. Uh, so Tarzan goes over with Tony to Russia because they have to, like, like make sure this is all legit, that they're going to sell them a, a legitimate submarine or whatever. And also they need to, like, take pictures to send to the cartel because they need to know that this is real, this is happening. The people involved you're talking about are true, whatever, before we start sending money. So they go over to Russia, and it's this giant old diesel sub, but it's still a very, very well-operating machine or whatever. And then it just seems so, so easy. All they have to do is, like, bribe the guys for, like, $200 or whatever to get pictures and sort of get in on this get in on this deal or whatever they make it sound like yeah so they make funny. it sound like it was impossible they're like you can't get into a naval base even like high-ranking officers aren't allowed into russian naval bases and they just sort of waltz in with a little bit of cash and are able to sort of talk price with these people or yeah that's not exactly how it went down but so i know tarzan did some work beforehand making sure it could happen but like in terms of the ease once they're inside the building so to speak it seems like it went so easily that they were just like yeah just give us some money yeah i mean I yeah think and then they take go ahead rod <laughs> go ahead <laughs> all right then <laughs> yeah then they just well i was just gonna say they start taking like ridiculous pictures again i just <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> like can we take uh, photos in front of the submarine <laughs> Yeah, it's like they want picture of captain. I take picture of captain. They want picture yeah. inside sub. I take picture inside sub. That <laughs> <laughs> oh, is like I was surprised that Tony like allowed himself to be photographed so much, just because he seems like such a secretive dude. Like he's the guy who got caught with forty-one passports, but he does. He is in some of those pictures, like standing on the sub. Maybe he was just so proud of the fact that he was, or just so in awe of the fact that they were. <laughs> completing this deal to get a giant fucking submarine yeah to- <laughs> uh, I see well, real quick I, I i think that he knew i think he was already plotting at that point yeah i, I think he was laughing to himself he's probably thinking i'm taking a picture on the sub because it's never leaving this base again <laughs> and i'm gonna get paid on it yeah all right, so that we'll, we'll uh, go to the point Rod was talking about. So what happens is they go back, they like they call to make sure they say the deal's going to happen, right, Rod? And so they Tony goes over and says, "Look, you got to pay me the money now, uh, and you give me ten million, and we'll give them the ten million. They want their money now, and then we'll kind of we'll make three three easy payments, so to speak. It was like an infomercial, uh, three easy payments of ten million dollars to the Russians <laughs> for the submarine." Uh, so that's what, so they gave him $10 million and he was going to go like start the deal happening or whatever. And then he just disappears. <laughs> right. Yes. So, all right. And he leaves sort of, uh, uh what, uh, what do you want to say? Am- uh, I just about to say Amazon again. Fuck it. Uh, Tarzan and Juan kind of out to dry, but they don't get in trouble with the, they don't get really in trouble with anybody except for the, obviously the authorities. They don't get in trouble with the cartel so much because it's not really their fault. They're just after Tony. Yeah, no, they just came and kind of scared them. They and you know, Juan's very, very upset that they did it in front of his family. Yeah. Um, yeah, wait, what happened there again? Well, that was at the so the police came to Juan's house and like I think arrested him in front of his kids, but also they had taken him out one night before like the 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 um cartel had and then the next night, they're like, all right, show us where he lives. Show us where his kids live. Show us where his parents live. Talking about uh, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
So, uh, all right. So, yeah, Tony sort of just disappears with all this money. And so we should just talk about that for a little bit in terms of what, what did he expect out of this? How did, like, do you think he was, do you, was he retiring? Or, or like, I, that's, that's sort of what I want to get at is that this guy sort of disappears with $10 million. And, like, he's had all these, like, lifetime relationships with these really powerful, uh, powerful and, like, dangerous people. Like what? What, did, what do you think is like? Obviously, the motive is the money. But what do you think his end game was? Do you think he just was thinking he was going to disappear forever? Or do you think he was going to like just eventually get back in on like working again? Or like how do you think he expected this all to go down? Jeez, that. Well, do we? We don't know where he went, right? Well, he's yeah, still in the yeah. somewhere in Africa. No. Well, he went. He went to the Netherlands first. Remember? He pays. T- okay, okay. He pays. T- we yeah. We know where he goes. He goes to the Amsterdam and like uh, goes to some friend's apartment, gives him like ten grand to get out of town for like two weeks, and then he disappears after that with like ten million dollars. And then they kind of like find him. I know we're sort of just summarizing, but this is also sort of like complex in terms of like trying to figure out how this whole thing went down because it is sort of weird because he, he speaks kind of broken English. But they were talking about some like fight in Madrid. Like he was like, I had to get my friends in. I'd like give them guns and stuff like that because it was going down. Like right. Did they like find him somewhere in Madrid or something like that? It's sort of odd and weird. That that's I think when they're at the airport and they think that he's got them thinking that they're going to meet up for the other ten million dollars. Oh, okay. he, he already knows that they're after him because yeah. oh, okay. Ron and Tarzan have let him know. So uh, he he goes and he's like, "Man, I'm here! I'm here!" <coughs> and he's like, "Man, I'm sitting in my cab with my gun." And I tell him, no, I'm in this cab. And, you know, basically he ends up making someone else have a very long day, it sounds like. Because he's like, <laughs> they push their head in and get in the car with them and then speed away. And that's like the last, that's like the last part of the documentary until it fast forwards to present. Well, there. This is why I was kind of asking this question is because sort of like, it, like in the epilogue when they sort of talk about where they are are all are now there's a part where tony is in during the credits are rolling he says that they he did sell them a sub like a smaller sub that the fbi wound up confiscating do you remember that it's in the rolling of the credits or whatever and i was wondering like how did he still have business yeah. relations with these people after he fucked them over for 10 million dollars was it a different cartel or was he still operating with the same people it was sort of like ambiguous into how like once you fuck over someone for ten million dollars, they don't want to deal with you again. Like I don't know how he knew about it and how he sort of organized that again. That's a good point, but there <laughs> is there is more than one cartel. Yeah, and well, it's true. But... He's from Cuba, so like he probably wasn't just connected to Colombia, but most all those countries. <laughs> I'd imagine like news at least spreads amongst those people. Like, don't deal with this guy. He stole ten million dollars from us. <laughs> it just seems like, and maybe I've been watching too much Sopranos lately, or something. But it, just, it just seems like you would have been offed along the way, or like somebody would have found him, or it would have been like their mission to be like, all right, we need to go kill that guy because he did all this, and 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 I don't, you know, I mean, we we definitely don't know where he is when he's getting interviewed, right? So yeah, we do. We somewhere in Africa. Whenever y'all are ready, I can um, explain that. Right, I so just wh- wanted to say one thing that was so funny to me, it was interesting, is when they, when they, when we first meet Tony, they make it seem like, you know, we're not, like, you're not going to get the interview, like, he's, <laughs> he's super, uh, 
mysterious or like he's just he won't want to do it or whatever and sh- of course they get the interview and honestly he probably s- speaks more than anyone else when he's getting interviewed. <laughs> he, he talks about everything <laughs> uh, I, can we all agree that there's no doubt all three of them have zero regrets oh absolutely they are having absolutely. <laughs> none of them went to prison i think they all kept their money it didn't sound like the fbi seized any of their money i i, I think i mean that joe Almeida guy, Juan Almeida definitely still living the high life, still selling like tons of crazy boats and stuff to drug dealers. He absolutely is. And I like then, to, I just, I like to think that Tarzan is like working on a book deal these days. <laughs> it's going to be called like My America Fun Time. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> My Amazonian Safari. Yeah. He's got like 10 titty bars in uh, Israel right now, just living it up as like the old titty bar owner. Uh, all right, Rod. Do you want to finish it up talking about Tony, and then we'll move on to uh, move on to the wheel and close this stuff yeah. out? Okay. Well, it, it's quite it's quite the finish. So I, I saw this. <laughs> I saw this. I originally saw this movie probably a year ago, but um, and I've seen it quite a few times since then, including about twenty minutes before we started this. But um, basically, the director of the movie when they went to, you know, try and run him down, he was hard to run down. So they, like, recorded most of this without knowing if they were going to get him or not. And they ended up, um, while they were in Moscow, the, like, shooting some of it, the director got a call from Tony, and he was like, you've talked to the three waiters. Now how about you come meet the chef? <laughs> and he goes Africa tomorrow, and that was it. <laughs> so, so he's in Africa. So for the movie, they didn't want to admit where he was, the, you know, um, for obvious reasons. But the internet is very good at uh, figuring out stuff. And yeah. from that, from the, that shot where he's like in the hangar, and you can see the airplane in the background. Yeah. They, mm-hmm. they. Um, they increased like the resolution and looked at the tail number of the airplanes and determined that uh, like it's this very specific plane. And then there's a Russian fighter jet and they use Google earth and he is in Johannesburg, South Africa with a Russian military plane that has $5 million in it for whenever he needs to scramble. (laughs) Wait, how did they figure out the, wow. the, 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 the money? That's what t- that's what Tony says he has oh, in the okay. pla- in the plane, but he has these two planes registered. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> see, great. yeah. If you really want to get them, why not just follow the internet? I mean, it's it's so funny those internet detectives. Dude, like, the internet. Do you? I mean, not to get too far off course, but remember when the <coughs> Shia LaBeouf did that or Shia LaBeouf had that sort of like a performance art piece where he like was trying to fly an American flag and have like a, uh, a videotape of it all day, 24 hours of seven, 24, seven, whatever. And people started fucking with it. So he wound up placing it somewhere in the middle of like Mississippi. And he thought there's no way no one can find this or whatever, but the people on 4chan or whatever started like using the constellations when it was filming at night to geographically point to it. And then once they like, then they like, followed his Instagram because he said like hanging out in some cabin. And so they're like, Oh, surely they like went on like a Airbnb and looked up like 
matched pictures or whatever and found it was in Mississippi. They're like, oh, he must have been here. They used like the constellation. Some dude drove by. Like, they went and found it, and then he never did it again or whatever. But, like these people, like it is amazing what like sort of you know autistic well, people on the internet have so much time and they can find all these things. Gosh. It's really amazing. It's crazy. Like <laughs> yeah, if, if you haven't seen, uh, I think it's on Netflix. It's called Don't Fo- Don't Fuck with Cats. It's it's really it's intense and pretty messed up, but it is centered around a group of these like internet detectives who after their day jobs, they come home and they stay on the internet all night. <laughs> and they basically, they, they come across a video of this guy torturing kittens and it's their mission to find out who he is and like get him arrested. And then it, but it leads to a whole nother, like whole nother. Yeah. Uh, I've read about it. It, it is. Inc- it's crazy. And it's really fucked up to be quite honest, but. Yeah, I read about it, and I didn't want to watch it because it includes some video of, like, some dude vacuum-sealing, like, some cats or something like that. And uh, I was like, I'm not even going to deal with we, it. We fast-forwarded through that part. Yeah. All right. So that's a great transition to the wheel, I must say. So the categories we have tonight... <laughs> Are uh, number one, I did the math. Number two, oh, Captain, my captain. Number three, me, Tarzan, you, FBI agent. Uh, number four, put me in your movie. That's sort of a constant when we do uh, documentaries. Number five, everything's for sale. Number six, Tony on the run. Seven, girls' drugs or exotic cars and boats. Eight is the whammy. Ten or and nine is a service for your country. And ten is uh Spin again because I didn't feel like coming up with 10 categories. So here we go. We're going to uh, include like little, I got some little melodies, a little like uh, what we were talking about beforehand, a uh, little like uh, <laughs> jingles. So insert wheel music here. That's for me, not for you. <laughs> okay. All right. Here comes the first bit. Uh, since uh, Rod went first for the picks, right? So this is going to be for Preston. The wheel is spinning. We're all anxiously waiting. Number one, that is a great question that a friend of ours wrote. So I did the math. Uh, Tarzan reveals that the FBI had over 15,000 hours of wiretap recordings of them. If one person listened to those for eight hours a day with no weekends off, how long would it take them to finish? This was just, you don't really have to answer. It's just an amazing number. <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's an amazing number that, A, 15,000 15, hours of recordings is, That's you know, I mean, it's, it's, five, and a, it's five years. Five that is years. incredible. So there's five years worth of them on the phone, like, 24 hours like i don't understand like how they have that much information like the fbi goes through how many people did they have to like have listening to that i mean do you understand like that's can so you much possibly time. can you possibly just, i mean yeah they have had to have multiple people but like even even then just like sitting there and listening to that how i mean i, I feel like especially today's world it just gets distracted i'd be like fast forward through this part incredible no i mean that's fifteen thousand hours like i said it was five and a half five five point one years of recordings I, I just wanted to know like how many people they had on this single operation that they need to listen to all of it and also what do you think they like how many like weird conversations they listened to that were not pertinent at all to the investigation like tarzan <laughs> talking about like women he's fucked and all sorts of stuff like that and like just do you think they sped through some of the stuff that wasn't pertinent or do you think they just listened to it just because it was funny i don't you know i don't know I, again i've 
try to bring it up again because I just very much deep in the Sopranos. But, you know, there is surveilling there and they do listen. They'll like listen to some of the mundane stuff and it seems like they'll like tune out if it's not important or one person will and the other person keeps listening and they it's like keeping watch almost. It's like back and forth. I don't know if that's how it really goes, but yeah, I mean, I would, also, I would, most of the time it would have to be conversations that probably don't have to do with what they're they're trying to find. I would also, I would imagine. I'd also imagine too, because it's so weird. Because you know, when you watch those sort of like mob movies and stuff, and even like we just talked about the Wire, how like conscious they are of being recorded or maybe being tapped or something like that. That was obviously what we talked about Tarzan. He was just like, whatever, fuck it. Let him listen to me on my phone. Like uh, <laughs> in all the movies and stuff, like in all the stuff they, uh, they use like use pay phones or burners. I know this was before burners or whatever, but yeah. they basically had this one phone tapped or two or three phones tapped. And like Tarzan for five years, just was using it nonstop. Like no qualms, no worries at all about the FBI. Just talking about whatever he wanted to in the back of a bushka. Um, all right, Rod. We'll let you let you get a roll. We'll do. What, I, oh, Rod, you, uh, you got you got some dad. Just one really quick point because the the funny comment Tarzan makes about what is what what is a special agent? Oh, yeah. What's so special about him? And the one comment the special agent makes when he's taking about talking about the cannibal, he's like, I mean. I know he, I mean, he's dangerous. Like, I know he's killed. So I know he's killed people, at least one. And it's <laughs> like, he doesn't really seem like a tough, like, DEA agent to me. Oh, no, no. This guy was definitely a desk jockey, kind of just working the info. He was, yeah. he was he wasn't a field agent at all. He didn't have any, like. A little like, bit of a, a goober there. The, the way he says, like, he's definitely killed one. <laughs> it's like. He's sure, like waiting for a, a <laughs> yeah, big number. 100. Yeah, this is definitely like the story he repeats at dinner parties all the time as like one of his big deal in his career or whatever. Uh, all right. Second spin. We're going to do four. This was for Rod. Number nine, Rod. Okay, a service. This is actually what we were just kind of talking about. A service for your country. One FBI officer goes undercover to help bring down this whole operation. Could you be an undercover agent? And which member of the trio do you think you could gain the most trust? So who, like, so could you be an undercover agent and do you, who do you think you could turn or who do you think would trust you the most with your skills of being undercover, Rod? Um, well, I think Tarzan would be a pretty soft target. So <laughs> I'll go with Tarzan for <laughs> in, in, infiltration purposes. And yeah, I think I could definitely, uh, well, well, Tarzan only trusted the guy because he was kind of Russian and from his hometown. Do you think he could pull off a Russian accent, or do you think he would just like you because of your kind of laid-back demeanor? I think that me and him would bob well. <laughs> I mean, a lot of shared interests. Uh, Preston, do you think you could go undercover? Or... <laughs> Not under the covers. <laughs> uh, Preston's audio is not working. we got to stop this. 104, 64. Preston, your audio. Hey, what's up? Okay, all right. Yeah, we're back. we'll start. Sorry, right here. Okay, all right. Uh, but don't yeah. forget my joke. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I mean, I, I certainly would give it a go. I do agree that Tarzan would be the, the, the uh, optimal target there. Yeah, just, I mean, it seems like it just seems like he would 
at any moment, like five minutes into a conversation, you could segue to what you want to talk about. And he would just give everything away. He was the guy, obviously, we talked about that noticed the, like the the surveillance camera. But I do feel like you could get Tarzan just a little bit liquored up and then it would be free for all. And yeah. then hi- hire a C-list celebrity and... Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Just get someone to dress up like Vanilla Ice yeah. and then you're going to get in. I right. think it'd be quite easy to be an undercover in this scenario. Yeah. <laughs> it's only because of Tarzan. Well, also because they aren't that dangerous. I guess Tony's kind of dangerous. But uh, Tarzan and Juan, you, I don't think you'd be like too scared that they're going to like... Even though Tarzan was a former arsonist and enforcer... I didn't get the feeling that he was like busting skulls at it. Like, you know, after that, you know, he seemed to be, I won't say nice, but he definitely didn't seem to be like trying to be violent. Like he didn't enjoy the violence. I don't think that's might might be one reason he got out of it. Okay. We're going to go to uh, a next little prompt and then we'll keep going. One more after this, the wheel is spinning lots. Oh, six. Okay. Tony on the run. We kind of already got to this. So uh, Rod, we kind of talked about this, but Tony on the run. So Tony stole $10 million from the Colombian cartel and then went on the run later in the credits. We actually, we did, we did talk about this uh, later in the credits. He talks about how he made another deal for a smaller Russian sub uh, with the Colombians. Uh, what do you think his current situation is, Rod? Do you think he's still on the run? Do you think he's still doing business? Do you think he's like helping sell cocaine or what, what, what do you think Tony's up to right now? Um, I think Tony's in jail. What? Yeah. How, did, you, did you see that? Yeah. Well, since you said he's South Africa, he was in Johannesburg. I was just going to assume he's uh, he's just operating some of those like little shark, I, I mean, shark I don't pigs. know. <laughs> what? So you just think he's in jail? Or do you think you read that? It looks like he got extradited July sixteenth, twenty nineteen. Wow. Okay. Well, so I from didn't... from Italy. Wow. To what to Italy? To Miami. He was what? on the same plane as Amanda Knox. Wow. That is interesting. I assume they were it was just like who was Amanda Knox? Who's Amanda Knox? Just she was uh, the American. I think she was a, a young college student at the time who was accused of murdering uh, some, like an Italian exchange and, student. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was a huge. It was definitely an international story, and like, uh, I mean, there's there's definitely a Netflix documentary. Definitely guilty. Okay, all right, I do remember that. Okay, all right, one more I question, and then we'll. Uh, I don't we'll know what to say. All right, that was a bad question. I'll admit that wasn't a good question. I didn't do my research, but hey, even the best people have some some fuck ups. All right, <laughs> everything's for sale. Preston number five. Everything's for sale. How real do you think the claim was that they could have purchased a nuclear weapon? So when they were talking about buying the site, oh, yeah. they got they got drunk with everybody. All these like Russian high, not high rollers, but high military officers or whatever, but they mentioned that they could have sold them a nuclear weapon. Do you think that would could have happened, and how much do you think they were offered it for? I forgot about that. Uh, I definitely think it could have happened. I mean, just, <laughs> just the fact that they were able to, to negotiate and make deals on all this transportation. And, I mean, a submarine, why, why, who's to say there's not like a lone nuclear weapon like lying around? Uh, I, I mean... You would I think mean, it'd be very expensive, but you would think 
Uh, uh, hey, you would think uh, that if it was available, though, you would think some type of like terrorist organization or like Saddam Hussein or some type of, you know, military dictator would have been all over this instead of just Tarzan and Juan Almeida uh, or whatever. Maybe they didn't know it was so easy to buy nukes from like the fallen Soviet Union. But I'm surprised if it was available that we haven't heard like other, you know, like smaller countries buying them up or something like that, at least in that time. Span. Yeah. Well, see, there's I mean, there's a lot just just that part of the story like when the soviet union fell and everything being available i, I would like to see some documentaries about all that and well, you know yeah. maybe this maybe that like their story is merely a footnote in like a myriad of crazy stories that went Ooh. on during them well there's yeah. absolutely crazy stories it's how you got all those russian oligarchs when they started taking over those like uh essential industries like coal yeah. and steel and all the mining yeah, stuff sure. like that and oil um all right, Rod, what do you think? Do you think they could have bought a nuclear weapon and how much do you think it would have gone for? If 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 the sub went for around 30, what do you think a nuke would have gone for? Um, I don't I mean, I'm going to guess the nuke would have gone for at least a 100 million dollars. <laughs> Damn, I was going to go lower than that, but But do they not show footage of like Tarzan walking back cuz it's that's the sauna thing. That's the whole sauna <laughs> scene. Yeah, honestly. so I'm pretty sure that that was the agents just messing with him to see how far they'd go. Wait, the the agent was in the sauna. They have they had surveillance footage of Tarzan walking into the sauna. So yeah, it was with Tony. Remember, Tony's like, like oh, in, in the locker room, like not like outside the sauna. They have like him and his towel walking into the sauna. So I'm sure they had the sauna room mic'd up too. <laughs> that's some like great equipment that was like waterproof back in the early yeah. late 80s waterproof uh, mics <laughs> I know mean, I, I don't I don't remember all like the surveillance stuff but so you you think that the offering of nukes was just sort of a gag yes <laughs> okay I don't think well. nukes are for sale <laughs> it was just it was just your uh, regular sauna banter <laughs> <laughs> I mean I yeah, Tony yeah, Tony nice talked <laughs> I'm not getting in the fucking sauna. Nice man, <laughs> man, fuck that. <laughs> fuck that. Yeah, nice. I really do. You want a nuke? I, I do uh, think that Tony watched a lot of gangster movies in the 70s and 80s. <laughs> and once he found his calling, he's like, I'm going to change my cadence a little bit. And yeah, so we'll, like we'll, we'll end on Tony's talk because I, I sort of thought he was like a mix between some like bastardized Italian mobster and then yeah. like, mobs. like he could like exactly what you said. It was like he couldn't decide where he wanted to be from. And it also makes sense because he had 41 passports, but he didn't sound like he was like, what do you want to say? Like, not Hispanic, but what he was uh, from Cuba. From Cuba. Cuba. He definitely had the look like he wanted to be some Italian Sicilian mobster, but just didn't quite pull it off. It was right. Like, and yeah, the way he like everything he wore. I mean, he was always dressed very, you know, very nicely. And um, yeah, that, he, that always cracked me out every time he started. <laughs> he definitely sips his espresso when they ask him if he had if he at the very beginning. They're like, so did did you work, you know, with um, the Medellin cartel? And he, he kind of like he sits back and he's got on like his Gucci sunglasses and like crocodile shoes or whatever. And he pulls out like the most gigantic espresso. It's like uh, Inglorious Bastards cigar pipe. Yeah. He has this huge uh, yeah. espresso glass. And he's just like, man, fucking really? <laughs> yeah. uh, are we going to go there? 
Yeah, yeah, it was like a terrible question right off the bat. Like he was about to just get so guarded after that, but he actually wound up talking his ass off, like you guys yeah, said. He would... Oh, he loved it. He got he yeah. Had get, he had to get caffeinated up to talk about it. Yeah. Well, he was basically in like quarantine on the run for life. He just needed a little bit of socialization, and then he got in front of the camera and just started letting it all sure. out. He's like, all I right. got a lot to talk about. Let's <laughs> let's at least let's at least do the uh, what do you call it uh, to be in a movie. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so there was one question, we won't roll it or whatever, but uh, obviously when we do documentaries, I like to ask, who would you cast for each each right. member? Uh, so Preston, you, you seem to have that on your mind. Who, do you, <laughs> who, do you think, who, who would you cast it for uh, Tarzan, Juan, and Tony? Or if you want to just okay. do one, you do one, and we can kind of pass it around. I think Juan could, I think uh, Jeff, like a younger, maybe Jeffrey Tambor would do a good Juan. That was a really good pick. That's actually uh, really cool. And for um, Tony, that's kind of hard. I, I went with John Leguizamo. <laughs> that would be a good one. <laughs> and then, uh, or, or Michael Payne. I think he did the two. And then for Tarzan, I've got, I've got, I've got two for Tarzan. One is, one is an absolute joke, but I, I hope that y'all know who it is. The first one... Uh, I don't. I just went with Josh Gad. I don't know if y'all know that actor. He's no, been. No. A, he's been. A, uh, you look him up, you'll be able to recognize him. Um, I think he was in the original like Book of Mormon, but he's also in. Uh, he's in some TV shows, and he's oh, in, like, that, oh, yeah, yeah. Ball, he's in, uh, Balls of Fury, and, uh, Frozen. He was in uh, the Jobs movie. He played. Um, he's in the new. Um, Frozen. Oh, the Aven the show on HBO. Yeah, Avenue Five. Yeah, he's in yeah. Avenue Five. So I think he would, he might do a good job. Um, All right, Ryan, but the, my my joke one was uh, Tommy was so as Tommy. <laughs> Tommy he actually, if he shaved his head, he could have done like or like cut his hair. He could be Tony a little bit, like <laughs> or Tony. Yeah, I guess he yeah. could be Tony. Uh, Rod, do you have any thoughts on who you'd cast or? I had to look up who Jeffrey Tambor was, but I think that's a good pick, and I think John Leguizamo is a just marquee pick. So Preston, <laughs> you nailed. The nail on the head. I had uh, I had Seth Rogen as Tarzan. Like it's kind of fat. I could see him. I could see him doing like that, like that thick, like Russian Jewish accent. And then I had like, and then I couldn't really think of one for one. But like I kind of just got those like fat Val Kilmer vibes, even though that's probably not the best one. And then not for bad. Tony, uh, I had we uh, sort of uh, bring back to what uh, one we've already reviewed. I had S.I. Morales, who played uh, Del Rio in Ozark, you know, the uh, the drug lord in uh, episode, uh, season one and two. Very, right. that's very good. That's so, like, I, I feel like he could do that, just darken his hair up a little bit, and he could probably make it happen. Grow uh, like a little beard or whatever. <laughs> all right, so let's move on to the ratings. We're going to wrap this up, and we're going to rate, rate this uh, Operation Odessa, and then we'll spin the wheel to see what we're picking next. Are reviewing next. So, Rod, this was your pick. So, we're going to let you rate it first. You were the leadoff hitter and the marquee picks, and now you're going to lead us off with the ratings. So, go for it. 93. 90, whoa. Just authoritative. Yeah. <laughs> right in there. He loves it. <laughs> I think that's higher than your rating for pretty much anything. I'd have to go back and do the research on that. But is this like your favorite so far? That's my highest rating so far. Yeah. And you're, yes. you're a tough, you're a tough rater. Yeah, I know Preston's probably going to go a couple points lower than what he's <laughs> normally going to do just because this was my movie again. But so 
Listen, nah. just add, add three points to whatever he says. <laughs> no, don't, definitely don't do that. If anything, subtract. Okay. You'll be over 100. Uh, no, I, I, I mean, no, I'm actually, I'm actually below you this time, but still pretty close. Uh, I, I give it a 90. I mean, it's hard to go wrong with these documentaries. They're really yeah. good. And as long as the story is good, the script writes itself. Uh, I mean, I guess my only issue would be I, I would like to know a little bit more. I mean, it could be a little bit longer. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to fart right in the middle of you guys and do a 92. Ooh, stinky. Uh, yes. Stinky pick from Matthew. <laughs> Safe side. All right. Nice little pick. All right. So we have the same same movies mm-hmm. that uh, we have. Nobody changed theirs, but just to remind all the listeners out there, number one is going to be The Gift, so we could be doing The Gift if anybody wants to listen to that. Uh, number two, Mrs. Doubtfire was Rod's add-in pick. Uh, <laughs> number three is Bad Boys. That was mine. Four, Good Boys, which is crazy how that's working. Oh, that uh, is hilarious. Five is, <laughs> five is Waterworld. <laughs> Six is Spider-Man. Into Spider-Man. Seven, Us. Eight, Leon the Professional, nine, Bright, and then ten. That was sort of nobody's pick, but we have three billboards. Three billboards, Rod. I think you suggested that one. So here we go, Rod. I swear to God, swear to God, it goes Rod again. We're gonna have. We're breaking uh, that wheel. (laughs) I'm gonna have to look into the wheel. It's five. The wheel is spinning. This is eight. Leon the Professional. Are you? Fucking serious! I am, I am, I'm giving it. A, I'm rating this movie a thirty. And uh, oh that is, uh, is that Leon? Yeah, so that's yeah. Th- is that which is a great rod, movie. I'm three rod spins in a row. I swear to God, the, the wheel loves the wheel loves rod. I, feel, I, I don't know how this fucking happens, but it just I mean, does. The, the odds are. Well, now next time we're gonna we're gonna categorize it differently. We're not gonna do this even spread out thing. We're gonna like lump them all together. Rod, I, I don't know because we got to get to some other movies besides Rod picks. <laughs> <laughs> we, just have, we have some great films just sitting on the wheel. I know. <laughs> I feel like it's putting a lot of pressure on Rod. He constantly has to pick new ones each week. And they're always like, so good. <laughs> yeah. All, right. all right. So next week with Leon, the professional. Uh, and it, it is really. Good. It is a good movie though, so no one's uh everyone is looking forward to rating it or whatever, but it is just disappointing that none of us can get our picks in. All right. So I think we're gonna close it out right there. Rod, do you have one last comment to say? You got you got your hand yeah, up. Yeah, I, I think um I don't think this one is on any of our uh streaming things. And um, I'm trying to cut cost over here, so we're gonna need to zoom and watch this one together. <laughs> so uh, well I was gonna say, uh, Rod, let the let the the uh, listeners know where they can watch it but i mean no voodoo no amazon no youtube netflix it's on amazon i bet it's on it it's for like three bucks or something on amazon oh yeah yeah and like voodoo like 2.99 or something like that um we'll we'll figure that out and we'll talk about that afterwards but all right so that's going to wrap it up uh leon the professional rod Rigging the real wheel one more time, right? If you had this much luck in like Harrah's in New Orleans, you wouldn't have to do this podcast. You'd just be hanging out at the beach all the time, sipping the mojitos with Tony. <laughs> That's right. I love Tony. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thanks for listening. We're going to wrap it up. See you guys later. Thanks so much, Rod. Do you want to say something? Just keep on budding. All right. We're hitting stop. <laughs>